If you have fallen asleep at 7.30 on a Friday night, you might be a teacher. Teaching is crazy, fun, exhausting, challenging, rewarding, and did I mention crazy? And as Catholic school teachers, we are also entrusted with imbuing Catholic identity. It's a huge responsibility, but fortunately for us, there is Finding God, the amazing K-8 faith formation program from Loyola Press. It's innovative, engaging, and the most inclusive and complete program we've ever used. Multimedia? Check. Scripture? Check. Family resources? Check. Bilingual? Check. And don't forget, posters, worksheets, quick start guides, apps, magazines, lesson plans. Seriously, Finding God has all you need and more. Pray about it. Visit FindingGod.com and order a sample. Finding God might not help you stay awake later on a Friday night, but it will help you sleep better knowing you're helping guide kids toward a faith-filled life. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Jill and I'm here with Colleen. We are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore, and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Colleen, we are at the end of the school year. Happy May to Mm -hmm. you. Happy May. It's an exciting and exhilarating and whirlwindy time. It is. Of Mm -hmm. course it is. And I, um, you know, today's topic is all about saying goodbye to your crop of kids and passing them on to the next teacher because it's kind of hard to do this. And I get very mama bear every single time because I feel like we bonded as a class. There's so much that I've learned about these students. And then to pass them on to somebody else, I feel like I just want them to keep growing and I want them to keep thriving and I want them to work just as hard for that next teacher as they did for me. And I feel like I have so much wisdom to pass along. But on the flip side, I hated the notes I would get from the teachers below me about the kids because I'm like... I'm going to build my own relationship with what? them. I, I was really weird about it. So I want to know, like, how did you <laughs> feel about the teacher? I, or did you not get notes? Like, the, as the kids came into your room, how much did you know about no, them? No, I, I did not. This, this is very interesting. So, and, and I, I say this is so interesting because I spend so much time trying to get educators to make um, the appropriate types of notes to pass on to the next teachers. Like I've created checklists and all of these things, like really helpful documents. And I never got to experience that as a teacher. But okay, so like I, I go back to my very early years of teaching, certainly in a high school, I never got any kind of notes or anything. And most of my teaching years were in high schools. But even in the K-8 building where I taught, I came in, I came into that building during the month of March and picked up a maternity leave and then remained there for a couple of years after that teaching. And so when I came in, I came in cold to a group of kids and I didn't like I could talk to the teacher and she could like kind of catch me up and this is where we are, but it was the middle of the school year. And then I knew those kids because I taught the the grades that I taught in that K through eight school, it was a seven, eight Like I always had the seventh and eighth graders. So I had them for two years. And so it it was more of conversations between, um, you know, the middle school team, like this is what's going on in my classroom, what goes on in your classroom. But I didn't really get notes um, up from previous teachers. But 
But what I want to do is I want to just say like the what not to do for okay. a minute. I'm going to call out all of us who have stood in the teacher's lounge. We have to knock it off because this is the time of year it happens where you say, oh, wait till you get Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. It's your turn with yeah. him or, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Like good luck with him or good luck with her or ooh, like we have yeah. got to knock it You're off. Right. So that's, and I think that's where my negativity would come in is that I some of these reputations of student behaviors mm. or families, you know, some families need more from us than others. So like whether it's a family dynamic or it's a student behavior, it would, they would come in like you didn't know the kid, but you somehow like knew some things about them. Yeah. I hated that because I wanted this student to have a fresh start. And maybe I, it's just my deep belief that kids need a fresh start, but I, um, I hated that those were the informal notes, maybe not great notes, which were just these verbal, um, like, you, good luck with him. Oh. Like, those moments, we have got to knock it off. And you know it happens. So whether you listen to it or not listen to it, yeah. like you, we all have to think of our strategy of how do we – how do we come in with the right amount of knowledge about a student that that helps them? Um, because there's so much relationship to build at the beginning of the year. But how can we, and this is the big question, is how can we close out the school year with all this incredible knowledge about kids that can get appropriately passed on to the next teacher so they can try to pick up where we left off? And the, in the most positive way, um, that's where I guess that's where my brain is. So, Colleen, I'm wondering yeah. what you've done. You, t- you already mentioned. Yeah, well, de- what, definitely. What things have you done? Or because seen? I I come come at this from um, from the lens of accommodation. So, what what are the best ways to support the, these particular students in order to help them be successful? And if you have spent the better part of the year. You, trying out different accommodations and interventions with certain students, particularly the ones that struggle, but also the high flyers to say, this is how this student needs to be supported. This is how the student needs to be challenged. This is how the student learns best. All of those things. It's all about, and and this is what I do when I'm working with teachers is trying to get them to communicate up those pieces of information that are going to help the next teacher best support that student. Like it's not, here's the, let me just tell you what happens when Johnny has a meltdown. Like let's, no, no, no. Here's what we do in order to get in front of it and create an environment in which Johnny's not going to have a meltdown. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's really, it's proactive and it's because I know this child so well, I can tell you what works and I can also tell you what, what's not going to work or what might trigger this child. But this is appropriate. It's not just for students that are on service plans and it's not just for gifted students. It could be for every single child because you get to know your students so well and you can say, this is what this student responds to. This is what this student needs in order to, you know, feel affirmed. This is what the student needs in order to achieve best. And you could do that for every student. And I, I do, I have a checklist that I, that I share with teachers to, to do that. We need to really check ourselves and each other though, in those conversations, because you could so easily slip into, and I'm sorry to play like devil's advocate, <laughs> but okay. you could so easily, like you're going down the list and you're like, I have a great strategy for student number one, student number two, and student number three needs this. But we always fall into the, well, yeah, but then student number four, ugh, I don't know. Like we just have to stay in a protocol. Yeah, you're right. So we may be working really closely with the teacher next door and we may not be, but it's almost like how can we have some norms in this meeting or in these notes so that everything that you're telling me 
Um, I don't have to do like I'm also an expert teacher, but I can use what you know, what is a non-negotiable and what is a just good idea and what in what ways can my own teaching continue to be its own style? Um, but I also want to listen to you because I respect you as my neighboring teacher. Like there's a lot, there's a, there's many layers there of whether you're going to, um, listen to and support that. I think, okay, so I want to go a different route. For okay. Cause I have another mind. idea like, too. So you keep talking and I'm going to make a note here. <laughs> okay. You jot your idea. So, cause I'm thinking about on the most basic level too. So let's say you have a hundred kids. If oh, you're yeah. in the middle school, high school sure. setting, you have a hundred of them. You, you may or may not have notes like this, but you could have their samples of work. Because yep. we've all done this and experienced this. You get the new teacher, even as a even as a learner, you get the new teacher and you try to figure out like how little of a work you could do. But if you know that your best papers or your best math test or your best project passed along with you to the next teacher, you're not going to get away with that. Mm. So if you had your best work or a sampling of your work pass along as a portfolio or not, just, you know, if you just, if you do that, if you what a great practice work and pass that yep. up and you actually look at it, mm-hmm. then the work speaks for itself. And it's not about the personality of the teacher. And if the teacher liked me or didn't like me or whatever. Yeah. So if at the very basic level, at least from a, a evidence of learning yes. standpoint, we should be passing along the evidence of learning. And we can do that from 10th grade math to 11th grade math. Like this is not rocket science. We can, we can pass work along and pick up where they left off with the quality or the, or the complexity of their analysis. Yeah. Yeah. So much of the time when, when, um, at this time of year in particular, so as I'm doing my professional development sessions at the end of the school year here, what I'm hearing a lot of is behaviors, behaviors, behaviors. And what I try to focus the conversation on is actually cognitive motivation and um, function in the classroom. So um, there are behaviors that go along with um, cognitive functions. And so you you might see the result of something in a behavior, but if you can treat this cognitive function in this way and understand what's happening in this child's brain, you may or may not see these certain behaviors. But so, so often we jump first to the behavior and try to treat the behavior when actually what we need to be doing is focusing on what's happening in the brain. But that's like, there's the bell and like, that's a whole other (laughs) can of worms, but great, great conversation though. This is, this is a big conversation. It is. Okay. So thanks for your energy boost. As we love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts, there's always not (laughs) enough time. So uh, you can take your thoughts wherever you're going, which is exactly what happens when the bell rings in the teacher's lounge. Keep your ideas coming in. Tune into our next episode as we talk about more great ideas from fellow teachers. We'll see you next time.